Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Cage Cast, where we, in reverse, watch almost every movie Nicolas Cage is in. Thank you for the clarification on the almost. Yeah, yeah got to do it. Today, the master bat crafter himself <laughs> has blessed us with a score to settle. Uh, Jules, what did you bring for us to drink our our woes away today with? Well, today I've got the Pete Monster from uh, Compass Box Scotch Whiskey Makers. Um. I brought this one because it is complex, peaty, and smoky. Because after watching this movie, I wanted to set myself on fire. <laughs> um, so it's cool about Compass Box, right? I really like this. You notice how I said they are a whiskey maker, not a distillery. They actually buy whiskey from other places and literally just mix it in-house. And then they age it in their own casks. Mm. Oftentimes they'll mix. Well, they'll use like American oak barrels with like French mm-hmm. oak lids. Um, to try to have like different profiles, and so it all kind of marries together. So it, it's delicious. So what you're saying, it's like the whiskey version of a house flipper, right? They yeah. build really the house, right? So it's like, but they, they, there's an American dude monitored. who moved to London, right? Yeah. And he like was in the culture there, and like I don't know, that's just what he decided to do, and uh, it turns out really fucking well because we've all had blended whiskeys, like, mm-hmm. yeah. but usually it's from a distiller, and they just oh. blend some of their stuff. But yeah, no, that's um. That's pretty tasty, right? It really is. Yes. Uh, this movie sucks so bad that I forgot to do part of the intro. I don't know if I want to tell anybody our names because I don't want to be associated with this My movie. name is David. My name is Jules. My name is Josh. Hi. Hello. Hi. First things first. I'm a realist. I've written haiku. 19 years in chains. Bats, beefs, and scores to settle. The dragon was his dick. A score to settle. <sighs> Guys, we watched a great movie last time. Mm-hmm. Color Out of Space. You I know, wish that I had been absorbed by that neon monster. Me too. Me you, too. you know, whenever the seven production logos started popping up at the beginning of this movie, <laughs> it felt like, like coming home. Yeah. Like I was <laughs> just like, oh, there we are. Here there it is. is. Yes. By our powers combined, we can create this hot piece of garbage. The more <laughs> weird name studios there are at the mm-hmm. beginning of a movie, mm-hmm. you know it's going to be bad. Now, I'll say the exception. You guys know I watch a bunch of horror movies. Those have the same thing. Yeah. So for a while, it didn't trigger me as a red flag for these cage movies. Yeah. yeah. Now it does. You're learning. <laughs> right. right. Horror <laughs> movies, you just kind of come to expect it. Mm-hmm. Now I'm, I'm, I'm scared. So yeah. You're like Neo in the Matrix. Josh... Give us a very good, detailed synopsis of what this fine f- thing is. It's a movie about a dad who gets out of prison mm. to hang out with his son, mm. who is definitely there. Yes. Mm. And he has a score to settle with his friends. Right. He, he basically takes his son to the honeymoon suite that he shared with his wife. Mm. to spend a nice weekend. So before the twist, which I wasn't paying enough attention to this movie, so the, that means the twist caught me off guard. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. That's hysterical. I was I, like, I, was like, I knew. What? That's like I, my third note. Is Joey real? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, knew, I knew from moment one when he walked down the road, Hindsight. I was just like, this kid's not here. Right. I was suspicious of that because mm-hmm. why is that going to be? See, my explanation for that, for all the weird... 
him popping up out of nowhere at the beginning of the movie, the way that he talks to his father in a very intimate way, calling him sexy, asking how his 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 night with the lady right. was. Right. Uh, it felt very much like the room. Some of those that, moments. Th- exactly. My yeah. thought process was that's just this kind of movie. It's bad. I mean, there's no <laughs> sense. There's no logic to this at all. Um, so most of my complaints throughout the movie, they're still valid complaints, but they're softened a bit by the twist because turns out he was imagining a lot of this stuff. So a lot of this stuff didn't happen the way it actually happened. No, everything happened. His son just was never there. Right. Because the reveal at the end, when it, you see the hotel room, like there's suits, there's there's bags, like mm-hmm. right. those and They show him like sitting on the car hood eating the burger mm-hmm. by himself. And so I guess my, most of my complaints centered around the dialogue between him and his son. That's well, where your complaints and, stem from. I mean, some of them. <laughs> that everything else is flawless. Well, I, I said the foley is really bad, which it is. Well, um, the sh- everything is shot horribly. What, it, and this is this is a moment where I feel like watching these Nick Cage movies is kind of messing with my head <laughs> because like I didn't find this movie that bad. Oh. It is bad. Sure. It is bad. Sure, sure. It is bad. But I was just like, you know, part of why I think it doesn't work super well is that out of everybody who's on screen, Nick Cage only seems the person to be committing to what he's doing. Right. Sure. Everybody else seems there. And yeah. I do not like the way that the actor who plays his son did anything. Oh, God. So no. like there was a lot of things that any scene with them I did not enjoy because I don't enjoy how that actor portrayed that character. I agree. And that could mm-hmm. be how it was written, how he was directed to. He also could be bad at his job. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's all of these re- are possible. That's the recurring theme I find in these movies is like Nick Cage, we are never unhappy with. No, I not. feel like he does well with the roles given. It's mm-hmm. usually what's happening around or what he's given and, that mm-hmm. we're. I will say this by. movie, for me, I'll kind of skip to the end, is a success for me because we do get a lot of fun cage scenes mm-hmm. where, in isolation, they're awesome. Right, him singing the dialogue while he's playing the piano, which mm-hmm. I guarantee was his idea. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, him, we get that like when he gets in the Corvette uh, where yes. he says like, here, why don't you drive? He's like, ha 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 happily. And he does <laughs> yeah. the like Nick Cage uh-huh. hand twitch and mm-hmm. it was the so whole, perfect. Whenever he goes just bonkers crazy at the end mm-hmm. saying, beef, beef. Uh-huh. Yes. Like that was that, that was uh, all of these movies seem to just have a glimpse of mm-hmm. here's your, here's your crazy cage. And that was that moment for this movie, and it worked really well. Like I thought it was a it was a good crazy. Mm-hmm. Or when when the bellhop is some for some reason still in his room teaching him how to use a phone. Mm-hmm. That scene went on way too long. Right. This is how you FaceTime somebody. Um, but whenever the pimp comes back, what's his mm-hmm. name? Trip. Trip. Mm-hmm. Of course. And what a trip! He threatens him. Gets Trips him, tricks. Gets him to leave, and he goes, "Excellent." Mm-hmm. Turns to the bellhop. How you doing? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good chuckle. Good chuckle out of me. Mm-hmm. Also, question. We're gonna skip around a lot. Whenever he goes back to visit, what's her face? Jennifer the... uh, Simone. Mm-hmm. How old is that child in no, the stroller? That is my fourth and final note on this movie. <laughs> uh, that my kid fourth is and final. That kid is too old to be in that stroller. Yes, mm. most definitely. A hundred percent. Joey. Of course, it's Joey. Of course. Oh, oh. Of course. Well, and then like not to be not p not to be not PC, but like I as soon as I saw how big that kid was in that stroller, I was just like, oh shit, this kid's gonna be like disabled somehow, oh, or yeah. like we don't know. It, you know what? I wouldn't put it past Nick Cage. Be like, 
I want this larger child because this is his backstory. And then he gives a full on thing mm-hmm. about how the child is well, special the, needs. And the kid know. actually, I didn't, I didn't look it up to see if that's that actress's real life kid, but like they kind of had some similar facial traits. So they could be, that could be her real kid. And she was just like, well, I, I have you're a real joking because he was definitely full Asian American and the, she is definitely not. Yeah. No, they're hundred percent the same. Um, <laughs> they were not white. So to Josh, they're the same. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like Stephen Colbert. I, I don't see race or color. Um, but it was just like, well, in the scene, we have to have a kid in a stroller. And they're like, well, here's this kid of mine or like a kid on set. Mm-hmm. We'll do it. And it, the director's just like, it still has to be in the stroller. And it's just like, I've been walking for 17 years. God. <laughs> right. So are there anything? So let's keep talking about Nick Cage's performance. Um, a negative that I found across all of these movies. I do not enjoy how Nick Cage acts when he's uh, having sex of any kind. No, no. Yeah. But I almost feel like they push it on purpose to make it more awkward. Oh, no. Like, I don't know if anybody actually directs Nick Cage in these movies. Sure. Because he's just, I mean, they just kind of let him go and do his thing. Right, right. Yeah, I said Nick Cage fucking in the car with sad piano music. Wow. Because it was like literally just like sad piano playing. And it was like, oh my God. Also, another great scene to watch while at work. The amount of times <laughs> my coworkers oh. have caught me watching Nick Cage fucking somebody. Please tell me you watched the next movie. Where I most definitely did. Work? Yes. And I was cracking up. And I, and I just was, cr- and they were like, what? And I was like, I can't, do you want to see or do you want me to? I, I was like, I can't explain it. I'm not going to. Yeah, that scene with the escort, I I hated it all, and it, it could be attributed to none of it actually went down the way he thought, because maybe she was creeped out by him, maybe there was other things said or other experiences had, but I hated the dialogue. I hated that she was falling in love with him, which I guess apparently, you know, obviously he she wasn't right. Um, j- just his whole just doing her job well. The whole, I mean, I think that's what she yeah. was doing. I mean, that, that was her, <laughs> that, her point. That POV shot, her, it's her point of view. Looking down at him, it's just Nick Cage, this close-up, just staring right down the barrel of the camera, yep. and just this face of wondrous ecstasy. And yep. I felt I, I had to look away. I I lost that battle of wills, you know. Well, I definitely started to check out pretty hard towards the end of this movie because I feel like it suffered from being about twenty to thirty minutes too long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To where, like, if it was just a little bit tighter, I think that it would have been a little bit more bearable i think is probably a better way to say than yeah enjoyable. it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have saved the movie but it would have been okay mm-hmm. i was surprised about how much of a character piece this movie tried to be mm-hmm. and focus on versus an actual revenge thriller yeah i mean right. they they market it as a revenge thriller kind of thing which it is not it turns out the score he had to settle was with himself mm-hmm beautifully put all right end of podcast thank you (laughs) i do i do think that he it is kind of surprised like it's one of those things that it reminds me every time that he's actually just a good actor Mm. to where it's just like i'm just so used to seeing him crazy and that's the only thing i want him to be Mm -hmm. is that whenever he's having like sincere moments and like he's committing to it but right. he's the only one in the scene committing to it. Right. Well, because we know he does serious well. Like, I mean, I know they're not like Oscar winning movies, but look at National Treasure. Mm-hmm. Whenever he's like emoting the wonder and awe of discovery and and figuring out a puzzle and that sense of excitement, he does that so well, like on his face and the way yeah. he talks. So we know he yeah. can do it. 
and he does do it. It's just whenever it's cross pollinated with these other actors that he's against, it just it just doesn't work. Yeah, and we've talked about that a bit about some of our favorite performances from him or how he acts is how expressive he is, and that can is almost his downfall in a way in some respects because that makes him tend to be perceived as overacting. Right. But he's been known to say he's trying to bring back this almost lost art form of the silent movie actor mm-hmm. where all the act, all the movements were exaggerated, where the facial right. expressions were more extreme to get the point across. And it's this kind of, he calls it a shamanistic way of, uh-huh. of, of performing. Uh, uh, what do we think about Benjamin Bratt? Benjamin Bratt is in this movie. He didn't deserve any of this. <laughs> I think he did it very much on purpose. Oh, uh, did he? I don't know. No. I don't, you don't accidentally end up in this movie. Mm. <laughs> Did, so was that a real bar or was that a sitcom stage bar that they were in? Because the way it was lit and the way the camera moved and was set up, at least mostly, reminded me of like New Girl or Friends or something. Yeah, there it, it was basically always shot from the same angle or the same. Until it fucking wasn't and they broke the 180 line. A million times for no reason. What are you talking about? There's no such thing as a rule that so is steadfast. In film, there's a a, a 180 of the golden. What's it called? It's the, it's the 180 degree mm-hmm. line, right? Where just so the viewer knows the space of where the scene's taking place, and um, it, it's a consistent point of view, mm-hmm. right, of the camera. And if you break that plane, it's jarring. So if I'm on the right hand side of an actor, I'll be on the left hand side of an actor sitting next to him. So we're kind of standing looking back and forth but what this movie does it it breaks that and you're looking at benjamin brett from the right hand side and then it jumps over and it looks at nicholas cage from the other point of view which is jarring it doesn't make sense it's just bad filmmaking Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean i couldn't have told you why but i mean i didn't like it there you Mm -hmm. go so thanks for telling me why it's one of those things that unconsciously your brain just is like, this feels off. Right. Almost like kinda, the Uncanny Valley effect. Just something that just mm-hmm. doesn't sit right with you. Yeah, it just kind of tickles your brain. Yeah. One um, of the things I did like, mm-hmm. I thought that the actor that they used to play the younger version of Nick Cage that was my first note. looked a lot like him. I thought that that casting was mm-hmm. spot on. That was my first and note. And his acting was fine, too. Like I, He was kind of believable. You know, like he performed like Nick Cage does, right? With a lot of the arm exactly. movements, hands. And yeah. Stuff, yeah. So See, it, that read fine for me. Since I know what Nick Cage looks like, young, I didn't think that it looked all that much like him, but it is a relative of his. It is, huh? Hmm. Interesting. I wonder how much he hates that family member. Um. Because hang on, let me scroll to it. Let me scroll to it. Mm-hmm. Where is it? Where scrolling is it? Away, scrolling away. Scrolling away. Scrolling. We do I... need to talk about the dragon eventually. Oh yeah. Uh, nope. And how this is now the second movie we've seen uh, male genitalia being blown to bits. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to experience male genitalia. Uh, young Frankie is played by uh, oh. Bailey Coppola, <laughs> a son of the filmmaker Christopher Coppola. And uh, Christopher Coppola and Nicolas Cage, born Coppola, are, son of Fran- are sons of Francis Ford Coppola, elder brother August Coppola. And their mom so bailey is nicholas cage nephew so that's his nephew got it wow you could have just said yeah that. We, we took the long way wow. there but we made it i'm yeah. glad you well, finally landed the plane mm. it's um, it's just really fun you don't see a sentence with 17 coppolas in it <laughs> yeah 
Coppola is not an easy word to say in quick succession either. So I discovered that as I was saying it. Yes. (laughs) I did get very tired of Nick Cage early on just calling out Joey. Joey, just screaming, Joey. It felt like Lost. Whenever oh, what's his Walt. name? Yeah, Walt, Walt, or Carl. Where's Carl? Yeah, Carl. Yeah. yeah. So that that like then I was like, oh my god, I'm already like. It wasn't like this movie's bad. I was annoyed by the movie. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. Which you know, no fault to Cage. That mm-hmm. was uh, writing, but yeah. it was just like. Ugh. Did you have anything else you liked about it, Josh? Um, I thought I thought his the character of Nicholas Cage's mission was sincere like that like there there is a good story that could be told there kind of deal yeah um i just didn't care for how it was executed sure sure mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but what about when he's eating a piece of beef jerky and then oh, assassinate somebody <laughs> at first i thought at first i thought it was a carrot which you know whatever because <laughs> it's very crunchy it could have been jerky you know mm-hmm. uh again i guarantee that that little idiosyncratic is that's what that's the word I'm thinking of? I think idiosyncrasy. So. Thank you. That little piece of idiosyncrasy. Whatever the fuck. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I hate this movie. It's making my brain break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was his idea. Cage, the actor Nick Cage's idea to do that. I bet you wouldn't even like weird. an idea. He was probably just having some beef jerky offset, and then it was his time, and so he just continued on with his beef jerky and was like, "Let's do this." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I'm still hungry and need my beef jerky. And I need to start filming. So, yeah. por qué no las dos? <laughs> but no, Josh, I think you're right. There, there is, like most of these movies, some in, at, the, at the end of the maze, behind all the all the crap, is an interesting story, which I think is probably what yeah it draws like, Cage it, to these films in the first. It's place. the only thing that kind of keeps you in it. Yeah, because so far, outside of Jujitsu, um, there's never been a movie that we've watched yet that I just want to turn off. And not finish. Mm-hmm. There are like plenty that I want to fast forward. Sure, and mm-hmm. I have. Yep. Yeah, um, I thought it was. Yeah, it's it's basically the bucket list, but of a hitman. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that would be an interesting movie. His performance again is very very good. When you do get that twist, way too late in the game, I think, um, where he's standing at the grave and. Well, what other movie did the? the person's been dead the whole time and they've been talking to themselves. Oh, fight club. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one Mm. fight club with Brad Pitt. Like there, I think that there would be more unique ways to have the relationship with his son play out, which brings me to kind of a segment. How would we fix the movie? Right. For me, I would make this a buddy comedy where it's, it's, we, we focus on just the zany aspects of it. It's, him and his dead son and he's trying it's just his imagination as he's dying he's going insane whatever um but you play up the funny aspects of that they're going on a road trip to cut down and murder his old crew Mm -hmm. um but like all good comedies at the very gooey center of it is something very sad and Mm -hmm. tragic um the son dying him getting put away all that stuff exactly exactly i like that that'd be good Yeah. yeah then you could have the weird we're in a really awesome hotel. I don't know how to work a phone. Right. Um, you're Nicholas Cage knows that his son isn't actually there. So he's trying to say, be quiet. I'm trying to seduce this woman. Shut yeah. up. And he's just, we zoom out and he's not talking to anybody. And mm-hmm. it could do a lot of fun shenanigans like that. Yeah. yeah. 
I think in that same vein, like my thought was play it almost like Dexter. Have the twist earlier to where you know he's dead, mm. and then you have the son around like Harry is for oh, Dexter, yeah. to where he's just a way of coping with what he's doing and why he's doing it. Um, just something to kind of so we can see the inner monologue actually play out between characters. Mm-hmm. I think that would have made it a little better if they wanted to keep the serious tone. I think that could have worked. Yeah, I wouldn't have made it great. It just would have made it better. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Or even do like a little bit of a sprinkling of the like memento where his buddy is actually mm-hmm. the person who betrayed him kind of deal and he's losing his mind but that is that is what happens and he's trying to direct him but like if it's still like that buddy cop deal oh, yeah, yeah. so it's not oh this person from my past betrayed me and i kind of infrequently go talk to him twice right and then shoot him at his daughter's wedding and then get shot in the back one time by an uzi by his daughter um it's good right. shot and then you know what we get, the second yeah, suicide by police. Mm-hmm. I yeah. Mm-hmm. Nick Cage sure does like to die in these movies. Oh man. yeah, yeah. He's like, fuck it, I'm done. Uh huh. Yeah. Maybe this is a cry for help. Yeah, I know. I, how many? Like, because I'm thinking the majority of the ones we've watched, he has died he has in died or in. been seriously maimed in. Right. Yeah. Well. Um. So my only other note that we haven't talked about is uh, who who hands somebody a phone in a velvet case? Because whenever he gets his fancy new cell phone, the guy right. behind the counter just is like, like it's a fancy watch or right. like a piece of jewelry. Here, here's this phone. Is that how they do it in like Beverly Hills? Like they just you buy an iPhone, but they repackage it. Yeah, I mean, Jules and I both worked at the Apple store, and that is not how you give somebody. You guys a phone. have never told me this before. I've never heard you once. Mm-hmm. Talk you about. you do let the customer open the phone box themselves because it is perfectly timed to be the most satisfying way to have the phone <laughs> release. Mm-hmm. It is yep. satisfying. I'll say that. Yep, they're, they're packaging people know what to do. Yeah, I did like in the uh, the with the phone. There's a point where Joey calls him yeah. it felt like a gta quest yeah. like it literally was just like a call the gps coordinates pop up there's a and big then you fucking just like, arrow yeah exactly mm-hmm. i was like That's holy not... shit that looked like a screenshot from grand theft auto <laughs> it was just like this is 100 percent not how phones work yep. in any way shape or form but it you know won't. whatever but it's okay because it wasn't actually happening that is true so all the bad things that happened in this movie have an excuse because mm-hmm. it wasn't real well, but it all was real. I mean, it really it did. It's just real the sun. To him. The sun wasn't real. I mean, is, that, is, is there something I missed? I mean, do, do we actually not think it was real? I mean, do we care? No, but I'm just curious. <laughs> I mean, is there a whole other level of fuckery that I just didn't know about? <laughs> like, <laughs> There's an after credit scene that's 30 minutes long. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I did like how whenever he was dying, like, and Joey pops up. I just wrote, oh, hi, Joey. That oh. was a sweet <laughs> moment. Like, I... That was again a kernel of something that worked for me at the end, even though the the actor who plays the son is t- terrible. Um, it's it was very sweet, you know, like oh now we can hang out and spend time together. Yeah, uh, no, he literally felt like Denny from the room to me, like the little kid brother who's like you know running mm-hmm. around with them. I don't know mm-hmm. when, if you've seen it. No, what? You call yourself a cinemaphile? Yeah, I like to protect myself. You're that watching so Nick good. Cage movies. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's you know what so you just good. watched. Uh, you got me. You got me. You got me. I have no I have no defense. Oh, all right. Well, we as, just don't. as far as factoids go for this movie, it was uh, filmed in uh, Canada. 
Oh, Canada. And this was around the time that I'm pretty sure Canada had a very substantial um, tax break for filming there because there was a lot of movie shot in Canada mm -hmm. around this time. Sure. Uh, this is another movie that I cannot find the budget for. Mm. So it's another money laundering scheme. Probably. Maybe. It's not done by the same studio as the other ones because I did check Patriot Films. Same studio, mm -hmm. different name. Think mm -hmm. about it. All right. It's a shell corp. <laughs> Just follow it. Do you guys want to guess how much money it made? Like none. Uh, maybe a couple grand. I'm going to say $2,500. $2,500. I mean, like I'm torn because I feel like it could make more because it seems like a movie that would appeal to more people. Like... Maybe like an older crowd. If it, right. if the marketing was played right, said, "Hey, this is an old man who's once a mob enforcer. He's gonna right. go after his exactly. old crew." I yeah. can see that. Like, so I'm gonna go ahead and say thirty-five thousand. Thirty-five, uh, hundred and seventy-one dollars. No thousand. Oh, <laughs> I was like, hmm, okay. See, you know, out. we always lowball it, and then it ends up being like. I know. So, so I was probably on the right track there. It probably mm -hmm. was marketed perfect for for a certain crowd, and okay. I'm sure they hated it as well. But, but so. Keep in mind that this was released in 2019, and I'm pretty sure it was shot in 2019. So for 2019, because this ends the 2019 run of Nicolas Cage. Finally. We have Grand Isle, Primal, Kill Chain, Running with the Devil, Color Out of Space, and A Score to Settle. Wow. All of those are 2019. Wow. Impressive. Like I've said before, this man works. Yeah. He does. He yeah. does. Well, granted, there's also sometimes where you say that he spends like two days on set. <laughs> yeah. Um, well... Granted, this that one was I'm sure probably just more, but <laughs> um, do you want to take a stab at what the Rotten Tomatoes thought? I already saw it, so I will not guess. I didn't look. I purposely don't look because I know uh, that you're going to ask me. I'm going to say Rotten Tomatoes. So for critics, 12%. 12%? Ooh, 15. Yeah, oh, very close. Do you wanna... Which is, is actually lower than I thought it would be. Really? Especially looking at the movie we watched for next episode. What do you think the critics, or sorry, the people thought? 38. 19. 19, pretty wow. Neck neck. So yeah. pretty much everybody like was just like, no. Well, to this. And I say, no. I, also say no. I, I, I would say uh, I would give, on the scale of Nicholas to Cage. Mm-hmm. I would say, uh, going by Nicholas's own scale, where he says, if I look at a script and I see at least two scenes that I can really sink my teeth into, I'll do it. It doesn't matter if the rest of the movie is good or not. I just want to be able to have two scenes I can latch onto. For me, this movie had those. So I would say I'm going to give him the full cage because he had the beef, beef, beef. Yeah, scene uh, where his eyes bugging out. He was singing I the wish piano, those eating crossed some jerky. Eyes could come through the podcast, David. That was perfect. Ha ha! Yeah, I think uh, he needs to raise his standards. Yeah, no, I don't know. I kind of like it because I feel like scenes. he's also like I'm sure that a lot of these because I know this one had like a million you know people attached to it, but he's done some stuff for smaller filmmakers and studios mm -hmm. that I'm sure they love, and so I'm sure that uh you know I'm sure that's part of why he does it. You know, maybe I don't know. Well, the money. there there are some directors that he just does it because he wants to work with that director, or because it is an unknown director. Uh, I think you would say Sean Ku Ku K U. I don't know. Um, he's the guy that directed this. He's mostly known like he's directed a fair amount of stuff, but it's all foreign stuff. Mm. So there could be a decent chance that he was just like, I want to work with this yeah. dude. 
like for not Ghost Rider, but Ghost of the right. movie that was not good. Yeah. Ball explosion. Um. Yeah. So I'll give it a cage as well. I'll give it a cage. Cage to uncaged. Mm. Yeah. I'd give it. Yeah. I'd give it a full cage just for that last little scene. And the beef. Yeah. And the piano playing, which was his idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would watch that beef scene again, to be honest, because <laughs> it's just so so funny. You know, I bet somebody's done it out there. Uh, but a compilation of, of all of his crazy scenes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That'd be so good to see. Yeah, yeah. So some KG facts to wrap up this episode. Mm-hmm. This is from Ranker.com. He has done drugs with his cat. So from cobras to cats, Nicolas Cage finds inspiration in animals. Allegedly, it was a feline friend who helped him get high on one occasion. Cage explained that when a friend gave him a bag of mushrooms, his, quote, cat would go into my refrigerator and grab it, almost like he knew what it was. He loved it. Cage thought his cat might be onto something, did the shrooms, which brought, ah, fucking ads, which which brought on a peaceful and beautiful experience. And then he got rid of the psychedelics. The cobras, on the other hand, were re-honed by, to a zoo. They, according to Cage, tried to hip- hypnotize me by showing me their backs, and then they'd lunge at me. His neighbors, also unhappy, were part of the impetus to find a new home for the snakes. <laughs> so he got high on shrooms with his cat, and then he got rid of his cobras because they were going to hypnotize him. You know, that does bring up an excellent point. I don't think I'd want to live next door to Nick Cage. <laughs> I mean, are I think, we talking like real close? Or are we talking like on an acreage? An acreage I'd be okay with, you know? Maybe. Yeah, like with some space to with where you could space. see him coming. Right. I feel like even living in the same neighborhood as him or staying at like a night is akin to staying in a haunted house for one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you would just be on edge for right. like what's going to happen. Yeah, I feel mm-hmm. like he would make the best uncle. Oh, yeah. No, he has, he has crazy good fun yeah. uncle written all over yep. him. You know what they say about uncles? Bad jokes. 